everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Praxis Pedagogy Podcast. This podcast exists to promote those who are honing their craft as educators. Life is an apprenticeship and we want to support a rising guild of educators across all disciplines and backgrounds who wish to center their praxis and their pedagogy in what really matters. This is episode 39. Sit down with Sally Vinden and Lucy Griffiths. Yes, Lucy is back for another episode. It was fantastic. You're going to love this episode. Sit back, relax, enjoy, take some notes, and uh, we'll see you on the other side. Three, two, one. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Praxis Pedagogy Podcast, episode 39. You will uh, soon hear that uh, Chad Flynn, a.k.a. Mike, we don't know his last name from an undisclosed institute, is currently on assignment. And so he has uh, vacated the premises. So we have with us Lucy Griffiths. Thank you so much for coming in and filling in uh, for, uh, for Chad. It is awesome to have you with us. So thank yeah, you. No worries. Very small shoes to fill. Sarcastically. <laughs> I'm saying that very sarcastically. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Nice. This is going to be a good episode. Yeah. I can tell already. I can tell already, even in the preamble, yeah. the way you guys were talking, it's, uh, it's going to be good. All right. So let's, let's dive right into it. Uh, today's episode is about faculty burnout and, uh, it's, it's no surprise that Right now, we are what six, seven months into this thing mm-hmm. that we call COVID, and uh, it is the issue of burnout has been around for forever, but it seems to be percolating to the surface now, and uh, becoming more and more uh, aware. People are becoming more and more, I think, open about talking about it, and um, specifically with schools reopening and mm-hmm. and students going back to campus to a certain degree. Um, so wanted to uh, to begin the, the conversation just by asking about your experiences with burnout do you have you gone through something like that or ha- have you known somebody to go through that uh, and uh, what did it what did it feel like ready well I'm, I'm gonna just you know I'm just gonna uh, kick off by saying that um, I think burnout is is something that I've heard about maybe for the the past um, twenty years. Really, I think it's been front and center, and we we read about it in headlines and things like that. And people are talking, you know, often speak about you know, I'm really burning out here. And but I would have yeah. to say that um, I I don't really know what what it means, what it truly means. <laughs> to burn out um and i think that one of the strange things is depending on you know where you grew up and i think lucy's going to speak to this a little bit but um yeah. you know having having that background in britain we have this sort of this idea of you know stiff upper lip and, and work and you don't complain about or we didn't we didn't when mm-hmm. at least yeah. when I was there about workload as such and so I think that there's a bit of a facade around it as well that oh you know this is work this 
is good, you can get it done. So if I really mm-hmm. stopped and thought about burnout, um, I, I would have to say I've probably been on a bit of a, a cycle where I, you know, it's like waves. There's waves of it in there where, yeah. you know, your work is completely consuming every hour of your day. And possibly, I mean, I know all three of us have been in, you know, further education um, in our adult lives as well as our full-time work. And so, and we have families. And so mm. I, I wonder, you know, I think it's a really interesting topic to dig into because yes, I do know people to answer your question, Tim. Yes, I do know people that have gone through, actually taken time and said, I am completely burnt out and, um, you know, suffering from, I, I think, you know, not sleeping. I think not sleeping is really big because if you, that's the point where you most likely can't go on and, um, you know, and having medication to deal with things like anxiety and stuff like that. So I have, yeah. you know, have had friends that have gone through that and it's not, it's not a good place to be in. So maybe in our time today, maybe we'll get round to the warning signs because really yeah. like you yeah. don't want to go down that slide. I'm sure, you know, from what I've seen. So Anyway, yeah. I'll hand all over to Lucy to answer that question. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I, like you said, like we've done, um, you know, I was in school, I was department leader, I was doing my master's department leader. I had a 10 month old um, going into my master's degree. I came out eight months pregnant, two years later, crossing this waddling across the stage. Um, and, you know, and there's, um, you know, you, you're a, you have a partner, you have a partnership, so you have your husband, mm-hmm. you have this, um, you have a team of people around you that depend on you in work, out of work. Um, but yeah, it is that, that, um, you know, what, what we kind of grew up with is we never really used the term anxiety or stress, or, you know, we didn't really have a reason to do that. We just have to, and you know, that, that idea, that thing that we see written on t-shirts of keep calm and carry on is what happens. Like, in the culture that we grew up in so you never really had like the time to sit down even though I mean I think maybe maybe I'm a bit more um you know I was a bit I was okay because I had parents that I could go home and talk to but if you didn't have that network of people if you didn't have people that that you could that you could really be open with and raw with then um then you know I don't know how you got through things, difficult situations, because you, you yeah. really didn't have that time. And I also think that, you know, burnout, it's not like one thing for everyone. It's not a general thing. Like every, we need to understand that it's not a weakness. First, first of all, you're burning out because mm-hmm. you've been working extremely hard and managing a lot of different things. And it's not a all for, all for one thing. Um, you know, mm-hmm. everybody, everybody can burn out at different times. It, me, let's just say the three of us were all doing our PhD and we were all working um, and you guys are doing fine, but I'm not, I'm not doing so good. So if I turn around and say, look, I need to step back a minute, I'm burning out. That makes me weaker than you, right? And that's how, sure. that's that feeling. So if you're in a team of people um, we're not always honest with each other about how we are managing to get through the day because of how, you know, because we're worried about how we're going to be perceived. 
So mm-hmm. I think that's the first major barrier is, you know, having each other's back a bit and realizing and what you were saying, Sally, about looking at these kind of warning signs, not just for ourselves, but for the people that are in our, our little community of practice mm-hmm. are and uh, within within our working environment. Yeah, and, and you bring, you know, for that that really good point there. And again, I think it is um, the culture that we live in. And I think one of the wonderful things about um, the you know the culture that we live in here in 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 BC is there are there's a lot spoken about self-care. And and mm-hmm. so even though I think maybe many of us sort of struggle with where is self-care and where is mm-hmm, well right. no I'm saying many I, I'll speak for myself here I'm not sure the line between self-care and being sort of slightly self-absorbed so there's always, <laughs> like, there's always that little voice that just goes oh come on get on with it but I think like you say yeah. Lucy when you do you know you created that scenario there if there's three of us all doing the same you know we've all got full-time jobs we're doing full-time study got families and everything else and um two people are doing great and one person is saying okay i am struggling here this is you know i'm not doing mm-hmm. really well i think that for me recognizing i i've noticed this over the last three or four years is i have this incredible respect for somebody when i realize what they're practicing is self-care mm. i'm like oh right so when people People actually mm. step up and say, you know, I'm stepping out of uh, this. Or if I, if um, some of the people um, in my PhD program, they would say, I need to take a leave next semester. And mm. I just think, oh, and they'd say, yeah, I my know. workloads, you know, they're talking about work-life balance or just, ba- you know, balance. And I'm like, cool. That's that self-care thing. Mm-hmm. I've heard about that. <laughs> <laughs> That's that funny self-care thing yes. that I'm seeing right yeah. now. <laughs> yes, yes. And, you know, I really... That's a good idea. That is a- I'm going to try that next year. <laughs> yes. I must get that <laughs> book. I must read it. I must get that book. Yeah. <laughs> I don't right. have time right now, but I really must get around to it. If they only yeah. had a conference on yeah. self-care, I would go to that. <laughs> yeah. Like- <laughs> yeah. So I think people that oh. practice self-care and people that take a day for themselves when they're recognizing that, I think that that is going to be, Mm -hmm. you know, a very necessary, um, when we look at people's, you know, it's almost like if you look at somebody's CV and you see their education or their, um, you know, accomplishments in, in their career and their education, it's almost like if there was a line in there, you know, proven a, Ability to practice self-care and suddenly yeah. people went yes that's who we need so yeah. recognizing that and recognizing it in others I think and and really like you said Lucy supporting that practice mm-hmm. yeah I mean I think I took I took like a heads um heads up kind of moment and checked myself when when I was in my second year of my master's I was um, and, and being pregnant. And I, and I don't care to say either. I also went through IVF to get pregnant. So doing that and working and doing your master's and also being in trades, you know, and you, you want to, you, you're, you're around, you're, you're not, there's not many 
women in my in in my uh, department as department heads at that time too. But luckily, they were like all really awesome and supportive. Um, but so you go into all that. So my second year, um, you know, we have pathways in our institutions that. Um, allow us to take education and work and do different things without making our plate too full. And I and plate too full can be that term that we use, but literally like stop piling on the beans. Like if you only have a small place to put certain things and you're taking on something else, unfortunately something from that plate has got to either come off or be leftovers for another day because you can't do it all at once. So I took um, education leave at 50% through my second year. And unfortunately, it wasn't to have, you know, a couple of days a week to do self-care. I wish it was. But it was so that I could use two of the days to do study or three of the days to do study where I would normally be at work. And then, you know, a couple of the other days to, um, to you know, be a department leader. And um, so then I did have the weekend where I could breathe, where I could breathe and see my son and my husband and my family and my friends. Um, and that for me was, um, you know, was a bit of a lifesaver, you know, and I feel that people shouldn't think that, Oh, I can't take Ed leave because it makes me look weak that I couldn't, that I can't do Mm. five things at once. It's not that things like this are put into place. You can, I I couldn't give a hundred percent of myself to my job and to my studies and to my family. It, it doesn't work that way. So by stepping away a bit, and luckily I had somebody uh, or a couple of people like, you know, around me at the time at work who could step in and do that job as well or better. So that was good. And um, then my team had other people to have, um, you know, have around them to support them. I wasn't making myself super thin. And then I could also give my, give, you know, spread my time out more equally. And so there are pathways in our institutions that that can support you. So you do not burn out and we need to take, we need to look at those and we need to see when is a good time for me to use those, those pathways and those support mechanisms within our institution. Yeah. That's in, that's interesting that you both have, have mentioned this idea that it's, um, it's it's not a it's on a it's not a state of dishonor to admit that you need to take a break and kind of you know step back and reduce your workload and take some time for yourself or even to just reorganize and and figure out what needs to be prioritized mm-hmm. and set some boundaries in and I, and I wonder I wonder where all that comes from right like I know that in in, in certain times in my career people have made um, comments. Uh, on the sidelines saying that, you know, sometimes I, they feel that I take on too much. And, and I, I used to think of that and going, (laughs) so thanks, thanks for your comment, but it's really not your life. So, you know, just shut up and, you know, who cares? Like, it's, it's not like I'm asking you to work alongside me. Um, and then, then I got a little wiser and I began to understand that, what they were saying was, is that they, they, they actually felt judged, even though it wasn't, it wasn't anything that I was doing. It was, they felt that there was this comparison mm. going on that I was yeah. doing X amount and they were doing Y amount and both are important. Um, but somehow it came into this, this feeling of, well, you know, who do you think you are that you can do all this stuff? And it's like, well, I, well, where does that even come from? Mm-hmm. And 
And when I started to really think through that and understand that, it helped me to get to that place of saying, you know what, maybe I just need to slow down and, um, and, and take a break. I, I don't know if I've ever been burnt out per se. Um, I, I, and I wonder too, if it's a A type personality issue, this idea of burning out where people who are just driven, just keep taking on stuff and keep doing stuff. I don't, I don't know. I haven't researched that part of it, but I wonder if there's something to be said about that too. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do know that this podcast actually took a pause for about four or five months and uh, it was with Chad and I, and we were, we were going gangbusters and it was going great. And then our lives just got full. And, uh, and so we both decided, you know what, just put a pause on it. And I was, I was actually kind of scared to let people know that. <laughs> and yeah, I wrote up a letter okay. and, and sent it out to all our guests that we had booked and, and basically said, Hey, listen, thank you so much for, for being on the show, but we're just going to put it on pause for now. And we may pick it up. We may not. And, and that was a real statement. Like, and that was something that I really struggled through because I love doing this kind of medium. And I was thinking to myself, are, am I even going to pick this back up again? And, and I, and I was really nervous pressing that send button. Right. Cause I thought, Oh, you know, people are going to think we're jerks. We've went through all this time. People have set aside time and all, and, and we're letting people down yeah. and the listeners are going to just, they're going to revolt. And <laughs> it's going to be a riot. All of that was, <laughs> exactly. All of that was wrong. It was, it was all wrong though. Like nobody responded that way. And, and it made it, it made the decisions just seem that much more right. If, if I can, if I can say it that way, like it just brought a lot of validation to the decision. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, you were going to ask. Yeah. Something, yeah. I'm really interested with what you're saying there. And I'm wondering, was there a little niggling voice or on, you know, on your shoulder there saying, yeah, if you take a break, somebody else is going to pick this up and mm. run with it. so because that, that you know <laughs> i often wonder what you know drives us to keep on going and and i think that yeah. we all have different you know intrinsic um motivators there and things but i i'm sure if i'd have been in your situation tim you know where you and chad were at that time and like you say the the podcast was going great guns and to recognize hang on a minute, we've got all of this stuff going on, need to take a break. Um, um, you know, I total respect for that. And, and, and I do remember receiving that letter, (laughs) (laughs) Um, but I'm just going to ask that question. Do you recall if you had that little, you know, little concern there that somebody else is going to, you know, while we're taking the sabbatical, somebody else is going to pick this up, run with it. And, you know, we'll not be able to climb back up there. Or is that just, Oh, you're, you're asking the vulnerable. (laughs) I know. I know because. All right. Yeah. Here we go. (laughs) Uh, Yes, I did. Mm -hmm. I did. I'm, I'm a very competitive person by nature and um, it's, it's gotten me into good situations and not so good situations. (laughs) Um, and, and that's why I brought up the A type personality question yeah. about the whole thing about burnout. And, and I'm not just saying that, you know, it's only, it only affects those people, but yeah, there, there was, there was thoughts of that, right? Like, mm-hmm. I mean, it was going well and, and 
you know, being, being a competitive person, it's like, what can we do better? What can we tweak? What do we need to do next? You know, I'm, I'm targeting podcasts that are bigger than us. And I'm thinking, okay, what do we need to do to grow that to that size, Mm -hmm. to have that kind of influence, Mm -hmm. to have these kinds of guests on. Yeah. And I'm thinking, oh, if we pause that, this is, it's going to be terrible (laughs) because, right. Because, and I know the statistic, like there's like 50 to 60% of podcasts just don't make it within the first six months. And there's something crazy, like 10,000 podcasts start every month. Like it's, there's over a half a million active podcasts right now. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And and they suspect that that number will double in the next year or yeah. two because of COVID, yeah. right? Because, you know, pe- people are just going to start turning to the medium, which I think is fantastic. Um, but it saturates the market, right? Mm-hmm. And and so it becomes even more important to to know what you're doing and why you're doing it. But yeah, to answer your question, mm-hmm. yep, there was some thoughts of that. That would, that and, would, that uh, would be me. Yeah, same and exactly the same. Like I, you know, being department head for six years and um, at when my term, because we do um, two terms of three years each. So when my term finished Mm -hmm. at Christmas last year, you know, I was speaking to my dean and he's always been like ever so supportive of of my growth and, and the team and, you know, putting everyone else first. And, and I, you know, I said to him, okay, what do I, where do I go next? And he's like, well, you, you know, you can take, take some time off if you want, take a break. He's like, I was like, no, cause, and I, I was truthful <laughs> with him because I was like, yeah, I know I could take a break. I have, I have that capacity to do that. But if I disappear for a couple of months, people are going to yeah. forget who I am. <laughs> like, yeah. People won't know yeah. me anymore. And then I'm, you know, I'm yeah. trying to <laughs> succeed. Like I'm in the middle of my career and, and, um, yeah. I want to, um, there's so, I have so many ideas and I have so many people I want to work with and, and, you know, and he was like, no, Lucy, it's not going to happen. Like it's, it's, it's not going to be that way. And I was, and I was in my mindset exactly the same as you, Tim. I was just like, no, no, I have this, I have this, you know, competitive, very healthy, like very healthy competitive streak. <laughs> and, you know, I, I was, good. I was, um, yeah, that, that was, that was the main drive for me not to take it you know a year off or whatever I couldn't do it I I couldn't do it I'm so interested in this because um (laughs) like I wonder whether these little you know the the, this awareness that you you know being really honest here where you both said um you know about this competitive thing and this type a personality because I'm in complete denial I don't think I have type a (coughs) personality (laughs) at all Um, I really don't. And I'm like, oh, yeah, no, they're type A's. Those people, they're the type A's. Yeah, and yet, those people. Those people. <laughs> and yeah, I've heard people use that term about me and I'm like, oh, they probably don't really understand it. Um, they and, just, yeah, they don't get me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the, uh, yeah, yeah. I'm type B, you know, I'm just, <laughs> I don't even know what that means. But um, it's so funny because I just don't see that. And I think that there is this piece that, you know, um, it, and I would never consider myself as competitive because I think one of the things is what, you know, what drives you? Like I see all of these incredible things. I'm inspired by them. I'm always mm-hmm. feel like I'm always running to catch up with you a type people. That's it. See? see, see the vision that I have of you is that, you know, 
Sally's always there. Sally's always there. So like you're the actual finish line for me. Like, like to <laughs> actually like line. for me to actually like do stuff alongside you. I'm, you know, because you're you just you just naturally fall into, like melt into <laughs> these great things. And then, then I realize it's because of your idea. And you have this this sneaky way of like having this idea or a vision and then start to like meander <laughs> around different people and bring them into the idea and it flourishes into something great. And then you go for it. And then when I'm like, Oh wow, this is awesome. This thing that's going on. Oh yeah. It was Sally's idea. <laughs> it came from you. I was like, <laughs> of course yeah, it yeah. is. Of course it so, is. Yeah. And then, and now it's happening with like me in now people like Tim, you know, and, and, um, and Chad and stuff. And it's, it's these type of, um, yeah. I, and I, and I feel like you might not feel you're that way, Sally, but people <laughs> feel that you are like, you know, because you are, you, you do strive, you strive for. Yeah. yeah. And I, you know, I wonder where that striving comes from. And I think actually just reflecting back to last week's uh, podcast, we had this wonderful pints and pedagogy session with, uh, yeah. uh, uh friends from uh, Coast Mountain College, Nikki and Adam. And there was something there where Tim mentioned something about having a chip on your shoulder. And, and uh, there's an expression that we have in the UK is like, I'm a very well balanced person. I have a chip on both shoulders. <laughs> yeah. Right. Nice. And yeah. I think, yeah. you know, I wonder like it, you know, the struggles that you have to go through to get to the place that you want to be. And I, and I think about that, you know, just, um, further in my education from when I arrived here in Canada and, you know, very basic education I came with, with, um, you know, hairstylist and, uh, the equivalent of a grade 12 and then returning back to school. I mean, there's always this constant, you're all, you know, one of the things is we're always, I think, always putting ourselves out of our comfort zone. You know, we're always taking on these areas that stretch us. And Lucy, you said this so that you can grow. And, and so, um, I think there's, there is, most likely a burnout that's going to happen. I mean, when do you get to the stage where you can only grow? I believe that you can continue to grow all of your life. I believe it's a lifelong journey. But would we say that there's times where if we're trying to grow too quickly, too sharply, would that be a cause of um, burnout for? I mean, we probably should move on from you type A personalities, you know, not, not me, but I, I do, I do. I think that's worth considering if there is going, if, and it's almost like um, a self-driven burnout, but if we can, and, and Tim will give us the nod, I actually look to what I would consider to be um, a, a not a self-driven mm-hmm. burnout, which is, um, I think, in this time of COVID, we're actually recognizing that um, our fellow, you know, faculty, um, you know, instructors uh, have got so much. Their workload has increased enormously since mm-hmm. about February twenty-seventh. Sure. Yeah. yeah, there's a there's an there was an interesting. Um, article that I read and it made me think of 
four stages of this whole thing because I like to break stuff down so I can understand it and, and explain it easier. Um, one is this, the first one is heroic stage, the heroic stage where when a crisis hits, most people just jump in, they fix it. Um, they seem to have a lot of energy. They're, they're on fire for this um, and, and they just go for it. And then there's, there's a bit of a honeymoon stage after that where they, there's some momentum that's gained and there's some victories, but maybe not a complete victory, but there's enough small victories that are happening that, that makes that heroic movement seem very worthwhile, even though it, there's a lot of energy being expended. But then the honeymoon stage wears off and we get into what uh, is what I've labeled this disillusionment stage. And that disillusionment stage can actually last a long time. And uh, we are six, seven months into this. And, and I think people have, are, if they're not starting now, they would have started a couple months ago feeling very disillusioned about what's going to happen, especially in the fall term when things were starting to, to come to the surface about our schools going to open, our students coming back. What about staff? What about faculty? What about parents? What, what about all these things? And then from disillusionment, it moves into fatigue. And, and then that, that, that fatigue cycle will have just that in it. They will have cycles in it where you don't feel as fatigued and then you'll feel more fatigued. And that doesn't go away until the crisis is completely done and you have closure on it. And, and, and I almost liken it to stages of grief, right? Where you don't believe it's happening and then, okay, so you accept it, but you're angry. Uh, and then you, you work through those processes and then you come to a point where it's closure and you're like, okay, now I can close this and move on. Um, what do you think of those four stages? Uh, they're, they're, they seem to, they seem to fit, right? Yeah. Oh, Sally, you're on mute, but I, um, I was just going to say that I feel that last piece. <laughs> um, it looked very interesting though, what you were saying, I'm Sally, sure I must it was. say. Sure um, I just, you know, what you were saying about the end of the, you know, the four stage, we don't know normally we, if we're working on projects that max out and you are going to the extreme and you, you know, you see an end, but this point we, you know, we don't know what that looks like. And that's the uncertain piece. We don't know what that end looks like. So what was you going to say, Sally? Oh, no, well, and I did say it. I did say it. I was I talking away. I was trying to avoid you hearing me slurp my tea. So I said, oh, no. um, um, I think, Tim, I think that what, you know, the way you said you, you like to organize these things, you like to di dissect the situation. And I think by doing that you provide a framework with within how you know we can think within that framework and I think you're absolutely spot on and and I remember talking to you at the time and there was you know we did this initial uh, what did you call the first stage heroic and there was we rallied and there was this wonderful collaboration not just with my yeah. you know fellow colleagues but across the institutions there was definitely that stage and we yeah, did absolutely. have victories and we celebrated those victories <clears throat> um i've got croaky voice from the smoke sorry um but then there's <laughs> is this stage of disillusionment and i think that's sure. very <clears throat> you might have to hop in here um i think that's very real right now and i for me, I think that disillusionment and and um, and fatigue 
they are sort of partners, they're partners in crime. So the, you know, the more you become disillusioned, there's the level of fatigue that goes with that. And, and, um, my, you know, myself for one returning to work after the summer break, um, it's really interesting to return to work when you're not physically going to your place of work as well. So the first time we pivoted to our remote delivery, you know, so we're all working from home, we made it happen. We set up our, you know, our offices in odd places and things like that. And that's, you're right, you know, that was the heroic stage there. And we made it work. We learned these tools. But now, um, you know, I think for many faculty, they are disillusioned with this. And I think that because the, when you're, you know, when you're, um, you know, when the floodwaters are coming through and you build the dam and you hold it back and you're all heroes, you've saved the day. But if you've got to stand there and hold that back now for six months, that's, that's a long time. And during that time, you know, the understanding you need in order to teach in this um, hybrid model one thing I I would say right now is that um, you know hybrid unless you've actually been researching hybrid delivery for a good few years it's really difficult to become an expert at it without this long trial and error phase and and I wonder Tim to go back to your model when you've been through the you know that big adrenaline rush to begin with you've had these victories um now you're a bit disillusioned and you're fatigued and now really in order to do a better job you've got to really start digging into these best practices in hybrid delivery so yeah, it's got. It's almost like the perfect storm. But yeah, no, totally. Yeah, totally. And 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 like you said, Lucy, you know, when you can see the finish line, like you can push through the fatigue, yeah. right? Yeah. Like when when you know that there's a definite ending to something. I mean, it's like okay, this sucks, and I'm tired, and I just want to quit, but I'm gonna I'm gonna push on and get through it. And you you hear this from athletes all the time, especially these ultra marathoners that I just can't believe that they actually do like run a hundred miles. Like I don't even like driving a hundred yeah, miles, okay. running it, but, <laughs> you know, but they, they, they get, and they say things like, you know, you have to embrace pain as a friend and you, and you have to be so mentally tough to get through it. And all of them have said to a degree that when they see that finish line, it's like they get that last burst of adrenaline and they go, but in a sustained event like this, that, that those adrenaline bursts, they, they, they start to wane away and, and physiologically the cortisol begins to build and begins to build and begins to build. And, and you said, Lucy, that, you know, sleep is, is so important, right? And, and we forget how important sleep is because sleep is that, that time where our brain actually flushes itself of all those toxins that build up during the day that make us feel fatigued, that make us feel foggy, that make us feel sluggish. And, and, when we when we're not allowing ourselves the time to even sleep properly uh then you're robbing yourself of just re even resetting your own brain and it it, it all fits together in a, in a very well holistic way and I, and I think that's on purpose um 
But a lot of us just kind of push that aside and go, no, I need to do this now. I need to do this now. I need to figure this mm-hmm. out. I need to get this mm-hmm. over with because the clock keeps turning. Yeah. The days keep coming by, right? Uh, yeah. And Tim, oh, sorry. I was, sorry, I was just going to say, well, Tim reminded me there by saying the clock keeps turning. Tim, you, um, you made a very um, I, timely vlog uh, earlier this year. Um, I'm, I'm not sure where it was released, but it was, it was about this whole thing of time and just this whole, and I think that maybe you could attach this to the podcast somewhere or link it in there because it, I know at when you sent it through, um, you know, one Friday evening and, and it had been a really long week it allowed me to go, oh, it's not just me. This is how I feel right now. Because we, you know, running, you're just running on empty. And, and Lucy, I think what you said about the finish line, I hadn't considered that. And, and, and now, you know, I've had about 20 minutes to consider the difference you're absolutely you know you're absolutely spot on there because when we talk about the you know the challenges we've had in the past and they've been very sort of self um directed we're taking on full-time studies as well as full-time work as well as you know facilitating podcasts and all the other things <laughs> that Tim Carson's not telling you that he does in his spare time you know would they've all got deadlines they have all got deadlines with them and I hadn't considered this that the potential of the COVID-19 situation and the impact that it's having on our lives and our work lives is is it the first time in my life when something so significant has been I've been faced with and it doesn't have a deadline yeah yeah and so and when people are now talking about it's been so overused like the new norm Um, but it really is like, it's something now that we have to, we have to adjust to our lives now have to adjust to, or else we are going to seriously burn out. And, you know, I remember that feeling, um, when I finished my master's program, when I'd given my, um, defense and it literally felt like somebody took a weight pack off of my body, like a hundred pound weight pack. I've never had that feeling before in my life, this weight gone. And because you always have something on your mind, you've always, even, even the breaks in semester, you're preparing for the next one. You, you have a weight. And so I'd never had that feeling before when that weight just lifted off a a huge amount of workload gone. Now with this, we're we're not going to have that. We're not going to have, even if we go on holiday, day for you know break you know take vacation away from work for a couple of weeks we still have that we've got a plan when we go back we we're never we don't have that weight gone and so what is how are we going to move on and I think that self-care piece and this comes into my world of like skin and body therapy and how we take care of ourselves because people think that um Oh, skin and body therapy. It's just makeup and nails, darling. That's all it is. No, it's not. It isn't. Like I studied for, you know, three years, nine to five, Monday to Friday, um, you know, full-time college program. And it's all about, you know, the, the power of touch, the power of sense, how you look after yourself, how you, um, how you take care of yourself so that you don't burn out, how you use different tools. And, you know, those of us that work in institutions, we have things, you know, like our healthcare programs, like massage therapy, like, um, 
um, physiotherapy, and we need to use those like a dentist appointment, like a doctor's appointment, if we have this constant headache. You know, we need to start taking care um, of ourselves and start putting things into our day to to embrace this new norm or else we're not going to get through it through it. Um, and some of the things like um the um the way the things that we can start to bring into our everyday, I mean even some of the apps that we can use, like the Calm app, like C-A-L-M Calm. So in education now, um because of COVID, um people in the, the K to 12 and post-secondary education faculty um, can get that for free and it's normally like $80 or something like that. So, um, and it has so many good things on it where you can take a couple of minutes, you know, a day to you know, just take a breath and step back and you should put them in between your Zoom calls. You should put them in your calendar um, because how many of us are fluttering from one Zoom call to another and we've given us no time in between. We were on one from nine till 10 and then we moved from another from 10 till 11. We, we're not scheduling time in between. If we were in the real world, we would have to walk to a different room or a different campus, you know, and, and so we need to start looking at our calendars, scheduling our time um, thinking about our students' time, those of us that are working with students, you know, how, how are they now, how are we now going to change the way that we deliver our learning and they embrace their learning? And what are we going to do to in, or, in order for us to continue to teach in this way? And so just as we prepared as educators face-to-face on how we would prepare for our year ahead, we need to now do it in a way that well, we're, we're delivering virtually. So what are we going to include within our programs to do that and there's the other app as well 10% um, which is also free right now for educators um, and um, and that it gives you so many different things in what you can do to kind of take a minute and give yourself 10% mm-hmm. of your day back you know um, interesting yeah Lucy I love that idea and I think you touched on a few points there and and one of the things when we talk about uh, you know, fellow faculty members that are working directly with students right now. Um, I've been thinking a lot about this since, uh, you know, the new semester started and just working one-on-one with many faculty members. And it reminds me, I think we're in this interesting time where it reminds me, and now Lucy is way too young to remember this, but um, Tim, you might know people that were in this stage. Tim probably will. um, When we first (laughs) transitioned over to digitalized, um, you know, communications, people in the office would print emails. So an email would come through, they would print it. And then they would file it. They had their file going. And um, anything that was digitalized, they would print. And so they had this piece of technology in, in front of them that was capable of storing like all of this information. But they used their analog practices and they used their digital practices until the, the office was so full of all of these digitalized, you know, the documents that are now being printed. And it was exhausting. So people would phone and then they would have the conversation. And then somebody would say, oh, follow up with an email. 
And then you, the, you know, you'd have to follow up with the email that said the same on the phone. And then that person would print it. So you've got these two systems. You're working in two completely different systems. And the workload is then instantly doubled. And, and what I'm seeing right now is for a lot of our faculty is that they are working in two systems. And actually, I would even go as far as to say three. You know, I've taught fully online. <clears throat> and when I taught fully online, it was done with the intention that there were no synchronous sessions. So even though we were using Zoom, my colleagues and I were using Zoom when we were developing because we were all around the province, we didn't actually embed any um, Zoom sessions into that 10, uh, 12 week program because we knew that the idea of it was that the, the uh, students would be working during the day. So that was, that was a no go. And so I remember at that time of development thinking it was such a struggle because when you teach fully online, you're in this position where you feel like you're stood in the corner of your classroom You've got duct tape over your mouth and your hands are, you know, taped behind your back. You've lost all of your tools that you use. That's what, you know, you talk in the classroom, you get your hands going, you move around and all of that's gone. So that's a huge shift and that's fine if that's something you wanted to do and now you've developed this online program. But then we've got hybrid delivery. And for many of our trades faculty, they've got material online. They're doing Zoom um, for their, you know, many of their single sessions. So they're sort of, they're between the online and, and now in the hybrid. But they also, because the practical skills, they're very fortunate in BC that they've been given permission to bring students in 50% of the class, one day 50% of the class the next day. So now they're doing all of these three modalities. And I think that they're, I think that is um, that would be a challenge, I'm sure, for me. Um, and I think also recognizing the opportunities there for asynchronous learning. And, and last week, um, Tim asked me what I was reading right now. And I said, oh, I've gone back to the urgency of teachers with Jesse Stommel and, and um, the other person who's Michael. <laughs> Sean Michael oh, Morris. Sean. Sean Michael <laughs> Morris. Sorry, Sean. Um, and um, I'm reading there. And one of the things that I took from there the other day is learning doesn't happen online. Online, this, this is just the portal. The learning still happens in the student's mind. That's where learning takes place. And I remember hearing that uh, somebody else had said about it, the learning in an online program, that learning that takes place is from what the student has accessed online, but it's not intended that it would take place directly in real time. And so I think that that's the piece where as educational developers, I think that's, you know, faculty uh, development, that's the piece where we can support is to actually build up those asynchronous um, components in the online program so that we're relieving instructors from juggling in these three modes. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, you bring up, 
it, this is a means to an end. It's not, a, it's not the end in itself. Right. And when we're talking about faculty burnout and, and helping ourselves to get through it or to avoid it, um, there's a lot of different means to that end. Right. And, uh, we've, we've touched on a, on a few of them, things like, um, taking, taking breaks or what you just said, Lucy, about using apps and being, being intentional in scheduling time in. And it made me think of this ritualization that, that some of us do with our calendar and, you know, uh, book an appointment, but only make it 45 minutes instead of an hour to give yourself that 15 minutes in between. And, and even if you have back to back meetings where you can't control the spacing of it, at least, you know, you have that 15 minute break that you can debrief and, and, and get ready for the next one. And um, I know in my own practice, the ritualization piece has been very, very helpful. And so some people have often asked me, you know, how do you do the stuff that you do? And because it's a lot. And I'm like, I just, I'm brutal with my calendar. Like I'm just, everything goes into there. My whole life is scheduled. Uh, and like, even I, I schedule in sleep, I schedule in uh, travel time. If I have to go anywhere, I, I schedule in reading, I schedule in emails, I schedule and I, and I protect time very, very diligently because that's how I manage my brain and help myself from not getting into a, a stage of burnout. But I'm wondering if in these last few minutes that we have together, uh, if the two of you could share two strategies that you are currently using to kind of keep things at bay to, to, to keep things manageable for you. What are, what were, what are two recommendations from each of you that you might have for our listeners today? Um, well, I'll, I'll start off with one. Um, you, you know, we, we're going through a, um, you know, very odd time and, um, we're trying to, we're trying to manage a lot of different things and we're, we're now, we're now transitioning again because it's back to school. So, you know, yesterday I had three hours to myself, which I've not had since March. The house was empty. So, you know, my husband was um, at, at, at work, um, who is also an online educator, uh, heavy duty. And, um, and the kids were at school, daycare. And I was like, this has not happened since March. You know, and I was like, what do I do? I want to do the most important things at once, you know? So we're going through a change again. So this, so, you know, the, the question that you asked me might actually change again now, but one of the things that I did do through the summer was I had something else to concentrate on that wasn't work. And, um, and it was something that did with my family and we brought a, we brought a pop-up camper. We did, um, and we renovated it on like, the Saturday mornings that when we had maybe a little bit of time and, um, we made it our own little thing and it was our little escape, our little weekend away, uh, a little thing that we could do. And I think that, you know, for for us, it was that little pop-up camper, but you need to think about what is it for you that brings, brings you so much joy and allow time for that, that thing that brings you joy. And for me, you know, it's, I love work. I love my job. I love the people I work with. Like I really am ecstatic to be where I am. I love what I do. Um, but I really luckily love my husband. Like I like hanging out with him. He's really awesome. And my kids just are too. That brings me so much joy. So, you know, find that thing that brings you joy and don't let it dim. Keep it there. 
um, so that you do have that piece to look forward to. Um, and I can't tell you what that is because, you know, everyone has their own thing and it might not, you might not even think that that could be something that would bring you, bring you joy or make you, make you really excited about the end of the week or whatever, but find what that is. That's one of my things. Beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. Lucy. I'm sorry, Sally. <laughs> <laughs> the other one. The other one. The other one. Um, so, yeah, I mean, totally. I think the the piece that you mentioned about, you know, finding that joy and, and yeah, that's one of those things that I've always made time for. Like, um, so I, my husband and I have been, I think we've been married 32 years coming up next week or something. And so, and we still love, I know how can I, I know Lucy's like 31. Um, <laughs> yeah. I wish. Yeah. We yeah. still love hanging out and we just, um, you know, we bought an old boat last year, a really old boat. Dean spent his winter renovating it. And, and that's what we did. We played, we played on that boat all summer and really saw very few other people. So that's great. We love hanging out together. I am like you. I love my, I love my work as much as I love my play. And I think that, you know, I'm ha really happy about that. So there's, I'm going to just give you my two, two points very quickly because I have to disappear to my next Zoom meeting. I didn't do the Tim Carson planning. Um, um, so my work day, I have to walk. I have to get walking in. The worst case scenario is I don't get to walk from, I start my Zoom from at seven in the morning and often they don't finish until six at night so I always take um you know my uh, I always have breaks to eat and drink water for sure um but the big thing is I need to walk every day and so for uh, like an hour a day I have to get out there and walk but my saving grace uh, throughout all of this has been talking to like what I consider to be my you know my my network of people and you too, uh, you've been right there front and center throughout the whole thing. And I think that this is a time like no other where we need, like I, I need for sure. I need those interactions and yes, so walking and talking. And I would say, don't forget to use your phone when you walk. We don't have to zoom everybody. That's my tip of the day. But I am now going to disappear into my next Zoom meeting. And thank you both. You've given me so much to think about. And I'm going to keep listening to this one until I can recognize whether I'm an A or a B team person. <laughs> well, actually, that was great, Sally, because my, my second point rolls into that. So if you are heading out, you're going to have to like log in and I listen am, to the end. I am it's going to. Fulfilling. Okay, have a great day and don't forget to... Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, Thanks, thank Sally. Um, yeah, so my second point was that, and I circled it round like earlier because I really wanted to make sure we talked about it. Um, and when Sally was alluding to working with um, and being part of people like you, like I have Sally on WhatsApp, text message, email, phone, like different modalities. But having having your people around you, um, like at work, who you trust, like your day to day work, who you trust. So for me, and if you don't have that, you you need to work on it. It's not easy to to network and find your people. 
it's very, it's very hard to kind of make that new friends piece, you know, and, and, um, and find people. But for me, like when I was a department head and I was going through, you know, some difficult times, um, throughout work, um, there, I did have, um, people that were in my, in my inclusive setting at work that, um, I, that could support me, that could lean on me for that method of support. You know, (laughs) you, um, you had, I had, I had a succession plan. I had, I had people around me that, um, that I knew were going to, that I that had knew had done my job before me or that were going to be doing my job after me. And I, um, I, embrace those people. And I worked with those people. And I feel that if you're, especially as a department leader, it's very isolated position because you're, I mean, at at community colleges, like you're a faculty member that's been released from your team to, um, to manage the everyday and the scheduling and the vision of the department. So you're a very isolated position because you're not a dean and you're not an, a, facu- a faculty member teaching students now. So, um, you know, in that position, you need to find your people or your person or someone that can take your back, can cover you when you need to take a week off that you can say, I can step away and I know it's going to be okay. And as an instructor, you know, find that buddy, find someone who's teaching the same time as you, similar content and work together. You know, you might want to take 40 students and do a presentation one day, take two classes and the other instructor might want to do that too. Find strategies um, where your community of practice can really leap in and support you. So, um, you know, Sally was right. Like, you know, being able to, you know, have people like you and Sally and, and Chad and then in my own institution, who I won't name because I'd have to get them to sign a confidence <laughs> but there are um, lots of people in my institution and and close friends that are working in in executive positions or senior positions and and um and it's okay it's not weak to go and say look i need to have a chat i need i need to reach out for help i need to ask for some tips i need to do this um so you know finding your people is hugely important you know what would you do if you're on a desert island stranded you'd find your people You'd find you would try, yeah. or you would make up your own yeah, kind of yeah. like cast away where you'd, you'd, you'd have you'd a find Wilson. a volleyball yeah. and start yeah going crazy and giving it names and stuff. And that's burnout. Uh, that's burnout. That, that's a pretty good sign that you're done. Yeah. yeah, that's a pretty good sign that you need to take some yeah. time. Um, yeah, one thing that I'll add to the mix before we end is uh, one thing that always helps me when things get just super super crazy and everything that both of you have said is are things that I do but probably the most important thing that I do when I'm by myself is I begin asking myself, why, why, why am I doing this, this, this career? What, why am I in it? Um, what drives me in it? What, what's satisfying for me in it? What rewards do I find in it? And it really comes down to, I really believe that some people are called to professions and I, I don't want to. I don't want to seem that, that that that's a boast, but I, I really feel called to this role that I'm in. And there's there's always going to be tough times. There's and I mean we deal with people, right? And people are messy. People are hard to to work with sometimes. And and even your best friends can be hard to work with sometimes. Um, and so, at the end of it all, what what I what I come to um, often in those times of feeling I'm just done and, and burnt and 
as I begin reflecting on my why, like, why am I here? Why am I doing this? Why now? Why here? Why with these people? And, and it really begins to start a, a circle of, of thankfulness, of gratitude, of being able to be in this, in this time, in this space, and to, to grow and to share and to learn and to teach and to do all those things. And so for me, that's one thing that I keep doing ritualistically all the time is I, I, I think about those things at a, at a really deep visceral level um, because if I, if I, I feel like if I ever lost that, mm-hmm. it would be time to move on. Yeah. Right. Because it, that really drives the passion that really drives the energy that really keeps me going mm-hmm. even when I'm fatigued. Mm-hmm. Right. And even if I can't see a finish line, I mean, I'm in this for the long haul mm-hmm. um, until, until that goes away. And um, so that, that's, that's kind of what I, I, yeah. I come back to a lot. And it's so good. I mean, that reflective practice, um, you know, like looking back and seeing and realizing, okay, this is why I'm doing it. This is, this is why I'm here. This is where I want to go. Um, and that's what we haven't given ourselves time for of late is that reflective piece. Um, and I think if you don't give your time to do like what you said and, and to really you know, think about why you're here or you, you, or you sit down and think, you know, I don't, I don't actually know. Um, or this, you know, what I was mentioning about joy and think, I don't know what brings me joy right now. That's when, that's when, that's a sign. That's a warning sign. Um, and, um, and then, because if you continue down this road and it's no meaning to you, or there's no joy, then that, that will lead to, to burnout. And, um, and so it's, it's okay to take a minute and think about those things. It's not, it's not fluffy or weak or no. anything. It's, it's, yeah. it's structure and it, it, it keeps you standing. So, yeah. Yeah. Very good. I think that, uh, that's where we'll end this episode. Awesome. Um, and so thank you for your time and for your insight. And, uh, it was a pleasure to, to have you on the show. Yeah. And, thanks uh, for having me. You're welcome. Yeah, you too, too. Thanks again for listening to this episode, everybody. We really appreciate you taking the time to download and listen. And if you haven't done so at this point, would you mind subscribing to the podcast? And uh, if you have subscribed to the podcast, would you mind giving us a rating and review in iTunes? That would really help us out with the algorithm there and help us get this podcast out in front of other people who may want to know what's going on in the world of education and what we're doing about pedagogy and how we're addressing issues like this one, faculty burnout. And please let other people know of the podcast and if this podcast has brought value to you please reach out to us and let us know you can catch us on twitter at praxis guild that's tim carson at doc vinden that's where you can catch sally and let us know what you're thinking about in regards to this episode or even future episodes that we might want to hone in on thanks very much take care and we'll catch you next week